Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 28th of April, 2023. Almost said four. Happy Friday to you. We made it. We made it. Yes, we've done it. It is a glorious day. It's going to be rainy here, or so they say, but we shall see. That's why we've got uh, umbrellas. The problem is going out with kids. Anyway, you don't need to know any of that. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. There's a ton of stuff going on. My God. Stupid! I just watched some guy who's supposedly a comedian scream and berate his wife who's now divorcing him. And it's like, uh, yeah, gee, I can't imagine why. That's because you're a jackass piece of crap. Maybe that's why. Daily Wire dodged a bullet, ladies and gentlemen. The Daily Wire dodged a bullet. Anyway, I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. Look at the way that the name, first name is spelled in the title of the show and then A-L-L-A-N, Hunter at gmail.com. Try to respond to as many of them as I can. I just ask that you, you know, make them kind of short, especially over the weekends, man. And oh, by the way, if you're up 7-ish o'clock Eastern time on Saturday morning, you can go to uh, the WABC app or WABC radio or whatever. Search that. I am on the Bo Snerdly show tomorrow with James Golden, Bo Snerdly. Uh, usually for like quarter after seven till eight o'clock. So every Saturday morning, you can check that out. And don't forget about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Enter the contest, get the extra shows, and the weekend effort review will be up at midnight now let us get on with the show where's jerry springer is dead i, I know you go well that's not news what does that have to do with it jerry springer has died I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it i just want to acknowledge it i've met jerry springer at a couple of conventions can't remember which ones and i i'm not a big take a picture with somebody guy i don't take uh, i have some pictures they're all on my facebook page under the uh, star effer headline and there's some of them up there but otherwise i just don't i haven't in a long time i don't really want pictures of myself i know what i look like i know what they look like but uh, i did have a quick conversation at one of the conventions i feel like it was maybe the republican convention in cleveland i can't remember but he was perfectly nice lefty as the day is long he might have actually appeared on or been interviewed at a for an old podcast I did for a happy hour. I can't remember, but the guy defined trash television. He didn't define. He created trash television. Yeah, an argument can be made that Maury was right there with him. With the you are the father, you are not the father. But nobody defined trash TV like Jerry Springer. The show was on for a very long time. Only went off the air, I think, in twenty eighteen. The problem is, at the beginning, it was a novelty, it was an oddity, it was a rarity, it was semi-unique in its trash nature. It's, you know, love triangles and best friends banging each other and their girlfriends or their wives or whatever, and then they would end up into a fight. Then I think there was something that led to a law. I don't know the whole Springer story, but it was something that led to a lawsuit and they decided that they were going to try and stop the fights. And sadly... 
that's what ended the interesting nature of Jerry Springer. Now, the world would be better off had the Jerry Springer show never existed. Yes, of course, it would. It, it brought culture. To everything that leftists do swirls culture, our culture, collective culture, and you can say, I don't participate, I don't want... It doesn't matter. You're in it. You don't have to participate in it. It's there. You you swim in its wake one way or another. That's why I think everybody should be involved or interested or at least cognizant of what the hell's going on in the culture wars. Because whether you pay attention or not, and in the culture in general, whether you pay attention or not, it's happening. And it has ripple effects that you may or may not be aware of or don't want to admit, but it influences you. I'm not saying you go watch trash TV or anything. I do that for you. But you have to be aware of what's going on in the realm of trash TV because it will trickle down to you. It will ripple out to you. However you prefer to think about the culture radiating out from a point into everybody else, it will get you. So ignorance may be bliss, but it is not effective in, in uh, ways to uh, effectively win in a battle against the left. You don't have to like it, but you should be, and you don't have to watch it. You should be aware of it. But Springer really coarsened, and I now I feel like I'm sounding like my mom or my dad, but it wasn't utopia before Jerry Springer. There was Sally Jesse Raphael. There was Jenny Jones. It was a whole bunch of crap TV. And it sort of slowly moved us towards a just get attention kind of segment of our culture, which we are now fully in. Just get attention. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. The blurred line between famous and infamous now it just obliterated. But it started to blur there. And you'd watch all these people. And sadly, Jerry Springer, when Jerry Springer was first on and really hot, you'd watch it and you'd go, oh my God, these people are idiots. My God, these now these people are legion. Now these people are running colleges and dictating what terms you can use. The very same people? No, of course not. But that same mindset, these jackasses who wanted to sleep with their friends' wives or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, and they just left havoc in their wake, and they simply did not give a damn and never would give a damn about anything, other people in any way, shape, or form. That mentality has bled directly into the woke fascist mob that now roams the countryside that now controls academia, that now controls public education in a lot of places, that sort of mentality. its You can trace it back. I don't know that it started with Jerry Springer, but it certainly got fertilized a lot with Jerry Springer. Then eventually they got rid of the fights. Remember, people were complaining, stations were dropping, and blah, blah, blah. They said, we're going to stop the fights. And so they would cut to the crowd, hooting and hollering when there was a fight. You couldn't stop. Some jackass going to charge somebody else in a in a chair on a stage, you're going to get to them and they're going to wrestle and they'll be ripped apart, but they would cut away from it, which made the show terrible. You know, part of the reason to watch was watching morons fight each other. Like I said, I'm not proud. I was just as guilty as anybody else in the coarsening of our culture because I sat there and I watched it, not every day, but occasionally. But then they got to the point of absurdity where it was 
And I was surprised it lasted as long as it did. If you watched it, it was fake. There were actors. There were a couple of times that people came out and admitted, yeah, no, we faked it. We worked with the producers to fake what was going on because the problem with going crazy, the problem with being outrageous is you've all, if that's your shtick, whatever your shtick is, if you have an actual shtick and not talent or ability or a brain or anything like that, the problem, here you go, kiddies, here's your uh, Grandpa Walton, is that even a thing? I don't know if there was a Grandpa Walton. But here's your moment of this is the point of it. If you give yourself, if you create yourself a shtick, rather than focus on, you can make a lot of money with a shtick. I'm the conservative comedian. I'm the liberal, whatever. You can make a lot of money with that crap. The problem is you have to continually one-up it. You have to keep going higher. You have to find the knob that goes to 11. This one's go to 11, whatever it is. You can't keep doing this. If your shtick, whatever it is, really makes you a one-trick pony, you might find new ways to do it, but ultimately you're just one trick. And so you have to find new and creative ways to do that one trick. And the easiest and laziest way, if you're looking for a shtick, is to just be more outrageous. Be crazier. Go up and be louder. Be more absurd. Unfortunately, for conservative in conservative media, not everybody, it's a rarity, but there are a lot of people who have this, this is my shtick, and so they will replace knowledge with bombast. You see that a lot, particularly in radio, where people yell, they scream, they, they get worked up. So they seem angry when really they're just sitting there hammering checks and counting money and laughing their asses off. But they seem angry over it. That's not particularly intelligent. That's not particularly articulate. You're not making a, a really great point or anything like that. You're just yelling and screaming. The name calling is a really easy way to distract from the fact that you don't have anything interesting to say or any keen insights into it this one's stupid and the other one's look call them stupid if they're stupid but my god you you'd better not be stupid yourself how about you find something to articulate past and this sort of this articulate a point make a point take what they're saying and point out how it's absurd have some knowledge of history etc etc the problem is jerry springer had his shtick they kept turning it up. Once you got to like 12 or 14, you needed people to make it up. You needed, I'm the Klansman who secretly married a black woman or whatever. Like, what the hell is this stuff? And like, it was just so absurd that it almost became a Saturday Night Live skit. And it was a bad, well, I don't know, now they're all bad Saturday Night Live skits, but there was a time when uh, Saturday Night Live was kind of funny, and these were just bad skits. So I don't know what he died of. He seemed like an okay guy. I, The world would have been better off if he had just remained the mayor of Cincinnati who wrote a check to a hooker and <laughs> got in trouble. Very seriously, that was his, he was mayor of Cincinnati, and he 
try, I believe he tried to pay a prostitute with a personal check while mayor of Cincinnati. And because of that, when, what did you think you were going to get if you put that guy on TV? God help us all. Rest in peace, Jerry. I hope the chairs in hell are stuck to the floor so nobody can throw them. Anyway, I want to, uh, speaking of hell, I've got to talk to you about this story. Out, I didn't see it. I didn't know about it until just today whilst doing show preparation, as they say. The mess that is Jackson, Mississippi. Look, it's a Democrat-controlled city. So you, you can just kind of assume that it's going to be garbage, and you're probably right. But it is an interesting case study in liberalism and how the progressive left pretends to care about lives. It's kind of, have you ever heard of a school shooting in a black neighborhood? No, you haven't. There are a lot of school shootings in black neighborhoods or shootings around schools in black neighborhoods. Certainly a lot of kids uh, being killed at a very young age in black neighborhoods. But MSNBC, whilst they will occasionally lament, oh, we are only focusing on this because it's a white woman. Remember the uh, the white girl who disappeared in the state park or whatever, the, the national park, Yellowstone or whatever, it was a couple years ago. Very cute young white girl murdered by her boyfriend. The media went wall to wall with it. And then hysterically, Joy Reid did like a segment about how, look at the disappearance of black women and look at the disappearance of indigenous women and why don't these women get the attention that this other woman, I can't remember her name. I can't remember any of their names, but I'm horrible with names. I carry an ID so I don't have to remember mine. But they were going off about how it is so many, uh, they're only paying attention to this because of the white, she's a good-looking white lady. That goes into my hierarchy of media stories. If a celebrity does something, then that trumps it. If something bad happens to a celebrity or they did something bad, that is the top story. If an attractive white girl has something happen to her, disappears, whatever it is, she's the perp, she's the victim, it doesn't matter. Uh, they will dispatch some sort of anchor. I can't remember the woman's name who's on Fox Nation now or whatever now. It used to be on CNN. They just dispatched her everywhere. It just seems like, I don't know, not my cup of tea. But other than that, they will care deeply about a black person killed by a police officer. Whether it was justified or not, they don't care. After that, nothing. They don't care about anything. So you can have, like in Baltimore, probably, geez, eight, ten years ago now, there was a girl named Mackenzie Elliott. She was three years old. She was sitting on her porch, and she got hit by a stray bullet or whatever, gang on She missed what they were shooting and killed this little girl who never did nothing to nobody. She happened to be black. It didn't make national news, and nobody really cared. It took quite a while before I believe somebody was eventually exposed as having been the one who fired the shot. But it took a long time. And there was no outcry. The reward was eventually bumped up to like $30,000 or something like that, if I remember correctly. Like, That's pathetic. That's pathetic because, you know, an attractive blonde girl goes missing in the Caribbean and there's millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever. It just shows the priority. It was not national news. 
Well, what's going on down in Jackson, Mississippi is not national news. What's going on in Jackson, Mississippi? It is the murder capital of the world uh, or, or of the country. It, as far as per capita murders go, it's a relatively small town, so the raw numbers aren't going to give you that, but per 100,000, it is huge. The police have failed because the city government in Jackson, Mississippi, has failed. They've defunded the police. They put restrictions on all the things that the left wing absolutely loves and wants to do everywhere they've done in Jackson, Mississippi. And that has led to nothing but bad results. Nothing but bad results. As such, the state government is stepping in and expanding the jurisdiction of the state police, which was generally contained to the downtown area around the state capitol. Now they're saying they can go anywhere in Jackson. Because why? Because they're murdering the hell out of people. And it's not just murder. It is shootings. It is all crimes. There's a huge, huge problem with this. So you would think that the prospect of more policing and a crackdown on murder and attempted murder and other violent crimes would be welcome news to MSNBC and to Democrats in the city, in the city government. It is not. MSNBC on Chris Jansing's show did a fairly long report. I've got it cut here into two pieces about how trying to stop black people from murdering other black people and victimizing other black people with violent crimes and therefore, you know, diminishing economic activity, destroying property values, etc., etc., how that is in fact racist. You cannot make this stuff up. The Democrats and MSNBC are fighting tirelessly to ensure that black people can keep killing black people. Now, you might think I'm exaggerating. I am not. The reporter is a guy apparently named Tremaine Lee. I'd never heard of the guy before. His narration is bad. It could be the quality of the microphone. It could be the quality of the reporting. God only knows. But I want you to listen to this and see if you think, in this first clip, if my assessment that MSNBC is lamenting the fact that the white governor and the majority white legislature, and you may be asking yourself, why is this relevant? Well, because they're saying that the black citizens, they found two, in Jackson are mad that whitey's coming in and it's some sort of evil power grab when realistically they're trying to stop murder. And I would bet you dollars to donuts, the vast majority of the people, the citizens there, probably don't want to be murdered. Probably I'm going on. I don't think that most people want to be murdered. And I think that, uh, you know, the silent majority of Jackson is not particularly happy with the increase, massive increase in murder. So, um, yeah, but Democrats will fight, will fight desperately to make sure that black people can be killed with ease. Here is Chris Jansing and MSNBC. 
There's a looming showdown over race, justice, and policing that's playing out in Jackson, Mississippi right now. The state legislature passed a law that some say amounts to a takeover of policing and courts in the state's capital city, which is more than 80% black. MSNBC's Tremaine Lee traveled to Jackson and spoke to black residents who say their concerns are being ignored. The bullets came in on this side. This is my daughter's window right here. These, right here, these are bullet uh -huh, holes. Last December, 49-year-old Latasha Smith says she was shot in the forearm when bullets fired from outside of her apartment crashed into her Jackson, Mississippi home. The bullet caught me right here. Officials say the shots were fired by a Mississippi Capitol Police officer who was chasing people after they fled a suspected stolen car. This summer, Mississippi will expand the jurisdiction of its state-run police force from the downtown Capitol complex to all of Jackson under two new controversial laws passed by the Republican-led majority white legislature. House Bill 1020 and Senate Bill 2343 will essentially create a new justice system within Jackson with its own unelected municipal court and expanded Capitol Police Force that the city has no control over. Some in Jackson, which is more than 80% black, say the move diverts power away from the voting citizens of Jackson, amounting to a state-led takeover of criminal justice in the city. This is about vote dilution. NAACP president Derek Johnson is a longtime Jackson resident. It is not a, a, a solution for the state to step in without any true coordination, conversation, and use of the authority of the cities of Jackson. The civil rights group is suing the state to block the laws, claiming Jackson's residents have been targeted for a separate and unequal policing and criminal justice system. Law and order is critical. Governor Tate Reeves denies any attempt to take power away from Jackson, adding the laws are meant to improve safety and prosperity. Now, don't you love that? The NAACP is suing to stop this. Oh, no, nobody got to vote on this. Yeah, well, the people that got voted in don't seem to really give a damn about this. So the NAACP is suing to, what, allow the continuation of the murder of black people in Jackson, Mississippi? Okay, look... I just want to know where you, every once in a while Democrats tell you who they are. They tell you where they stand. They tell you what their priorities are. I just suggest you believe them. This is it. Oh, no. They 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 shot it here. Okay, that sounds like a horrible mistake. I imagine that you're suing the city and you're going to be made whole, but you're still trying to maybe get a bigger settlement than that. And so you, of course, are going to be uh, ripe and ready to talk to an MSNBC reporter who's obsessed with the city, which is more than 80% black. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? That... The taxpayers around here, anybody who might go into Jackson who isn't black, doesn't have a say in anything. Anybody who lives in Jackson who isn't black, because there's still 20% of the city that isn't black. They're, they're a different color, whatever it happens to be, that they, uh, they get no say. Or is it that you believe that simply because it's majority black, there's going to be murder? And what are you going to do? Leave them alone. Let them have their... Who are you to tell people how to express themselves? All right? Some people settle disagreements by having mature discussions and other people shoot people. That's just how it is. You've got to respect the cultural differences. Or do you just say, hey, there's 80% black people being killed. I guarantee you the number of people murdered or the makeup, the genetic makeup, the skin color makeup of the people being murdered in Jackson 
I would put it at, I don't know, maybe 95% black. If I had to guess, that would be just a guess. But I think that would be true. And you're saying, MSNBC, you don't care. You don't give a damn. That's fine. You don't have to give a damn. But it's kind of funny that you pretend that it is somehow progressive by... It's so because no, no, no. Let people leave people. It's what's worse, having a whole having the highest per capita murder rate in the United States of America, or having a white governor and majority white legislature go. We should probably stop this. You know, but which is worse? Well, apparently on MSNBC, stopping the murders is worse having a white person try to stop the murder having a white person care enough because apparently one has to assume that the city leadership doesn't really give a damn right don't you if if they're not doing anything wouldn't you say that they don't care by the way the number of murders in jackson mississippi per capita per hundred thousand is 92.1 Number two in the country is New Orleans at 74.3. Number three is Birmingham, Alabama at 72.9. You get down Baltimore is number five after St. Louis at 57.9. Detroit is number seven at 48.5. Cleveland, Ohio, 46.5. You're seeing this is a massive, massive per capita murder rate. It is abundantly clear, painfully so, that the city government cannot handle this, right? Doesn't it? But they don't care. MSNBC doesn't care. Chris Jansen sitting there in studio listening to this report. She introed this report. And now we'll send a black reporter down there. We won't talk about it. Chris, don't talk about it. You're a ginger. But you introduce the segment and then you just shut your mouth. The report continues. I've lived in Jackson for almost a third of my life. And I want what's best for Jackson. The battle over public safety and criminal justice comes as the city is experiencing a sharp rise in violence. Last year, 138 people were killed in Jackson, the highest per capita homicide rate in the nation, according to Jackson police and FBI records. Bishop Dwayne Pickett agrees there is a need for more police, just not like this. They're not answerable to the mayor, who looks like us. They're not answerable to, uh, to the, the, the structure inside of our community. Mississippi Department of Public Safety Commissioner Sean Tyndall, who oversees the Capitol Police, told us the agency is working to build trust in the community. I want to be engaged with the public. I want our officers to be engaged with the public. Um, and, and I want them to trust, A, uh, that they're going to do their job and they're going to do it with good training. In many states, a separate agency is called to investigate police shootings. But here, the same public safety officials who oversee the police are investigating the police and the several officer-involved shootings that have occurred since they began expanding last summer. Among them is the fatal shooting of 25-year-old Jalen Lewis during a traffic stop in September. Also under investigation, the shooting that injured Latasha Smith. 
So this is a black community, and all these apartments was filled with people. What gave him the right to come in this community shooting? Responding to concerns, we told him we heard from Jackson residents. Commissioner Tyndall said the department is working on being more transparent. Once those investigations are complete, not only uh, are the videos going to be made public, but the investigative files of the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation will be made public. I love this. This guy's like, well, it was a shooting of this guy during a traffic stop. They doesn't give you any details. I don't know what the details are, but I suspect since they didn't give any details, <laughs> there are a lot more details in there. And the shooting of the other lady that we talked to. Okay, so that's two shootings. That's one person killed. What about the other people? What about all the hundreds of other people? Hundred, whatever it was. Pious per capita by a lot. But they're very concerned. Oh no, I don't want they don't live in this community. They don't look like us in this community. Yeah, so what? Are you not allowed uh, honestly, a serious question for the Democrats out there. Because somebody has to ask it. Are you not allowed to give a damn about somebody? Or crime victim somewhere or the city being overrun by criminals because the people who are the victims of it don't look like you? I wanna know. Because I look at these things, these stories, and I think, my God, what a horrible... I don't sit there and go, hey, you know what? This lady has a point. I sit there and go, hey, I bet that lady is a distinct minority opinion. First of all, it's MSNBC, so I know we're getting stuff that's full of crap already. But secondly, I don't think a whole lot of people look at the police and go, we don't want more police here. Look, our police are failing, and it's never been better. Boy, howdy, let me tell you. Property values are through the floor, and that's what I want. If we could get our total murders to over 200 and get our per capita murders to over 100 per 100,000, that would be just a dandy thing for the world. It would make my life immeasurably better. I don't think so. Now, you talk to people slinging heroin and fentanyl and all of that. Yes, they likely would like to see the police presence diminished. Do I believe that MSNBC did any real journalism in this? No, I don't. They don't. They dispatched a left-wing black guy because we got to have a black guy do this story because Whitey is coming in and trying to usurp power from the black elected officials. Okay, well, the black elected officials are failing. Which would you rather have? Which would you rather... Because it sure as hell doesn't sound like a police state to me. But which would you rather have? More people being murdered... Or more police officers and an attempt to lower that total number of people being murdered, but it's done by a white person. Which do you want? Now, if you're MSNBC, I honestly, genuinely believe the answer is they'd rather have the murders. Let's just be honest. Look at the look at the history of the Democratic Party from such things. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking maybe writing a column about this at some point. But whenever I say that, I usually don't end up doing it. But somebody was making some comment, some lefty was talking about the schoolhouse doors and blah, 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 blah. Like, well, the people who blocked the schoolhouse doors in the 50s and 60s were Democrats. Republicans are blocking schoolhouse doors. Yes, to keep out pornography. All right, to keep out materials, grooming materials for sexual predators. 
That's what it is. They're not even banning those things. They're saying not in the schools. You can have it at Amazon. You can have it at Barnes & Noble. You can have it at every independent bookstore across the country that you want. You're just not going to put it in schools. We do not want children to have easy access to it. If you're a sicko who wants your kids to see how to give BJs properly to adults, um, you can buy that book on Amazon genderqueer and they'll send it to you happily they'll probably give you a deep discount because why not they're all in the together but if you want to talk about saving lives and you want to talk about preventing horrible things from happening or stopping you know honestly police presence has a tendency to stop murders from happening then the democratic party is not for you if you want to prevent those things from happening Senator Mike Lee set out a series of tweets uh, yesterday that actually make conclude, it's about abortion, that conclude with this disturbing stat that Democrats cheer and want more of. And it, realistically, it's, it's genocide. It really, it's just genocide. That in May 2018, this is Senator Mike Lee, in May 2018, the New York City Health Department reported that between 2012 and 2016, black mothers aborted 136,426 babies but gave birth to only 118,127 babies. Racist eugenicist Margaret Sanger would uh, disgustingly approve. And he's absolutely right. There were more, in New York City at least, there were more abortions by no small margin than there were births in the black community. Democrats said, oh, the black community this, the black community that. Well, okay, you're decimating the black communities. 18,299-person deficit between the number of births and the number of abortions. There were more abortions by almost 20,000 than births and you're sitting there and you go what the hell well this is why democrats kick kiss up to the hispanic community they pander they're trying to pander to the hispanic vote because thanks to democrat policies the black vote is not only kill it being killed accidentally or on purpose or whatever in cities across the country that they control with the highest murder rates and the most murders, it's not just percentage or per capita, it is raw numbers, totals too. They're also preventing more black people from being born. Eventually, on a long enough timeline, where does that end up? It ends up with zero. When I say that Democrats have never changed their objective, only their tactics, this is the sort of thing I'm talking about. If you wanted, if you decided, if you made a conscious effort to try to eliminate black people from the country, from existence, what would you do differently? Maybe, okay, let me caveat. If you were trying to hide it, what would you do differently? I honestly don't know. If time weren't a concern, if there wasn't somebody sitting there tapping their watch going, let's go, let's go. If Rachel Maddow weren't sitting there going, we really need to get this thing on some, some road under this show. What's the deal? What would you do differently? I don't know what they would do differently. Maybe defund the police more. Maybe 
get other groups to sue to stop Jackson, Mississippi from actually protecting its citizens. Things of that nature. Those sorts of things. That's what you would do. Honest to God, want to talk about a pathetic, pathetic, god-awful group of human beings. It's the Democratic Party. They took off their robes and they put on suits. They're still working on the same thing. It's all about the progressive agenda. And anyway, it's about control. You convince people they need, do I really think that they want to commit genocide? No. I think they want control. So they need to scare the hell out of people, need to try to convince people that you need an abortion. Abortion is so, we're going to take it. Otherwise, you'll be cursed with a child. And we're the only ones trying to do this, that, and the other thing. And it's about your individual liberty and fear the police. Fear the police. You heard MSNBC. It sounds like there is one disputed person dead in Jackson, Mississippi, that had some kind of confrontation with police officers, right? What are the specifics? We don't know. They don't go into them. There's a traffic stop. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Did he pull a gun on the guy? Did he fight the guy? Did he try to get... What was it there? Just a traffic stop. Hey, I couldn't help but notice that you ran that stop sign, so I'm going to empty two into the back of your head. I don't think that was the way it happened. So they talk about one incident over the course of years or the complete deterioration of the social fabric leads to the highest per capita murder rate in the United States of America. Which one does the left focus on? The left focuses on the one. They ignore the rest. They ignore Chicago, they ignore Detroit, they ignore New York, they ignore Washington, D.C., they ignore Baltimore, St. Louis, they ignore everywhere where black bodies are piled up. What's weird and what's new now in this report is they're now openly saying what they only implied before. Stop caring, white people. You're going to screw it all up. Stop caring. Stop trying to stop this. Stop trying to prevent this. Mind your own business, whitey. You think I'm exaggerating? Go back and listen to those reports again and tell me I'm exaggerating. Not. Anyway, I just, I saw that report and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And you're not kidding me. But thanks to Newsbusters for that. They're doing the Lord's work on watching all of this crap and mining. Who the hell watches you know, Chris Jansing reports or MSNBC reports or whatever the hell it is. Anyway, speaking of nobody watching the store, nobody minding the store, nobody being home, let's talk about our president, shall we? He, um, God, he's such an awful person. He's just an awful person. I don't, I'm not saying that to be funny. He is an awful person. The guy constantly lies about his own life. He lied the other day about his grandfather. My grandfather died uh, in the same hospital two two weeks before I was born in the same hospital, the same very same hospital. He said this the other day to, when he announced his candidacy, when he went to the union place, so he knew that he wouldn't be challenged. His grandfather died like the year before he was born in a hospital in Baltimore. He was born in Scranton. But other than that, the story is completely accurate. His grandfather did exist and is dead. How do you get... It's not wrong. You can't be wrong. He's been corrected on this before. Once you knowingly say something, repeat something you know to be false, it's a lie. 
It's a lie. It's the very definition of a lie. Joe Biden does that constantly. And he also lies about loving his family. No, I'm not talking about, you know, sitting there. You can sit there and make all sorts of arguments about how he isn't a good father. You know, he's got one son that is a horrible drug addict, or at least was a horrible drug addict for a very long time, and seemingly did nothing about it. And what's weird is, as vice president of the United States, while his son was cracking up and whoring around, he had some resources that most people wouldn't have had access to. And he didn't deploy them to stop his son from smoking crack and banging hookers, right? It just, he didn't. He did not use them for that. He did use the uh, Secret Service to retrieve the gun that was thrown away behind a, a restaurant or whatever it was by his son that his son got illegally. There, he managed to dispatch the Secret Service. Shush, don't say anything. Can't talk about that. The media pretends that didn't happen. He also seemingly got a good cover-up of the application for the permit uh, application for that gun where he said, no, I am not any, I don't do drugs or anything like that, even though he'd already been drummed out of the military for testing positive for blow amongst probably a whole bunch of other things. All of this stuff was known. I remember the story when, when Hunter was drummed out of the reserves because he was tested positive for cocaine. I don't remember Joe Biden making a concerted effort. Maybe he did something behind the scenes. I doubt it. It doesn't seem to have worked. But it seems as though if you truly were interested in being a good father and protecting your son, even from himself, you would use the resources available to you as vice president of the United States. And there's no indication that he did. Also, you probably would not have, sh- you know, showered. I, I, I don't know about the, the diary of Ashley Biden, but I do know that Ashley Biden has had her own addiction issues as well. If you had three kids and two of them turn out to have addiction issues, that are generally associated with some kind of abuse or what have you, some sort of trauma, whatever you want to call it. Um, I look at the parents for that one. Now, Bo passed on. I don't know if Bo was well-adjusted or not. We'll never know. But two out of three is bad when it comes to raising kids, especially, you know, like you can't say, well, we were born poor and we were struggling to get by. No, the Biden family was actually wealthy. Joe's father was an idiot, got squandered and uh, swindled out of the family fortune. But then Joe set out to make a new family fortune, and he did his whole life. He bought a former DuPont mansion while Oh, I was the poorest member of the Senate. Well, how the hell did you buy a gigantic estate that was owned by the DuPont family then? While a United States Senator, while a humble public servant. Nobody ever asks that question. Nobody gets into it. But he always goes back to, I give you my word as a Biden. Not a joke. I love my family. Oh, yeah, and I love my grandkids. Now, I want to play you a clip of Joe Biden talking about his grandkids. See if you spot what's missing. I'll give you a hint. It's one of his damn grandkids. I have six grandchildren, and I'm crazy about them. And I speak to them every single day. Not a joke. Matter of fact, I just got finished going through the calls, and uh, 
Only one of them answered the phone. Uh, <laughs> but at least I got to leave a message. And they're, I, my oldest granddaughter is named after one of my daughters who I, I lost in an accident a long time ago. And her name is Naomi. And then I have number two. I have a, a daughter who works in the environmental movement. And her name is Finnegan and named after my mom. And number three, my granddaughter, I call her my all-American girl. She was a great little athlete, and she's about to graduate from college in about two weeks. And, and her name, her name is, she's, every, the nickname we call her is Maisie. And then I have two other granddaughter who I just spoke to, did get to speak to, and her name is Natalie. And she is a senior in high school, about to graduate and go off to college where her daddy went to school. And then I have a grandson who's going to be a senior in high school. And then now I have a new, a new baby boy. He's three and a half years old. And his daddy named him after his brother, my deceased son. And he's Bo Biden. So guess what? They're crazy about me. Missing was the fact that Joe Biden has seven grandchildren. Yeah, there's a four-year-old granddaughter named Navy Jones Roberts that the mother is fighting to change the last name to Biden so that the child might, you know, benefit from the lineage that every other Biden who is worthless and has an IQ of about 12 has benefited from. He does. He has never once in his life acknowledged. I love my grandchildren. I love them. I love my grandchildren. I played that whole thing to just show how much BSing this guy does to try to seem like a decent human being. Decent human beings don't have to go through this kabuki theater crap to show the world that they're decent human beings. The world knows that they're decent human beings. But he said, I love my, well, I talk to him every day. I love my grandchildren. I mean, except that little bastard one. That one I don't talk to or about and screw them. They're not in my will. They're nothing. I'll never meet them. I'll never have them to the White House. I will never in any way, shape, or form try to help that child learn this half of their family. Screw her because her mom is the, yeah, her mom wasn't smoking crack. It was your kid. That was smoking crack, Joe. You really want to get down to it. It's your worthless son who's selling paintings for $100,000 a piece and raked in tens of millions of dollars that was dispersed throughout the whole family who's now pleading poverty and saying, I can't afford to pay child support. Child support needs to be cut. It's that kid who's paying $20,000 a month in rent for a mansion that says he can't manage to pay his child support. If you were a decent human being, Joe, you would pull him aside and say, look, you little jerk, you're the kid's father. You may not like it, I may not like it, but that's the reality of it. And You've got to be that kid's father. You never met your kid. What the hell is wrong with you? Well, I give you my word as a Biden. We know exactly what's wrong with him. This story is going to be interesting as it continues to develop because at some point somebody is going to have to ask Joe Biden about this. What's amazing to me is it's been four years and Joe Biden has never really been asked about this at all in a sit-down interview. I think once Peter Ducey asked about this kid and that was it and he got a dirty look. 
CNN is reporting. The judge overseeing the Arkansas paternity case involving Hunter Biden has ordered the president's son to appear in court next Monday. Independence Court uh, County Court Judge Holly Meyer ruled Monday that all parties involved in the case must appear for a contempt hearing next week in Batesville, Arkansas, according to reports into according to a court filing an arkansas woman who is the mother of one of hunter biden's children has accused him of ignoring previous court orders and withholding evidence in the litigation stemming from a paternity dispute he wants hunter biden to be held in contempt uh, she wants hunter biden to be held in contempt and jailed until he complies the judge scheduled a hearing for monday to address these and other issues hunter biden had agreed to pay monthly child support several years ago but the case is ongoing scumbag gets her pregnant denies that it's his proves that it's his fights it anyway then says all right fine i'll pay child support and then doesn't pay child support and now says i can't afford to pay child support um does a good man produce a child like that it's possible it's possible but while talking about how your son is the smartest guy you ever met and oh my yeah he's had his troubles but he's the smartest guy i'd ever met wouldn't you at some point i don't know acknowledge this kid wouldn't you say my son needs to get his act together Wouldn't at some point if all of your attempts if there were any behind the scenes to try to get your degenerate son to get his life together had failed wouldn't you at some point take it a little public use the bully pulpit yeah it's not probably what it was designed for but you use any tool at your disposal if you actually care about this person if you actually care about this person you might say something about my son needs to get his act together my son needs to do this you know what my son i know i'm going to alienate my son i might alienate my son but he's got to do the right thing and if he's not going to do the right thing I'm going to do the right thing. I give you my word as a Biden. Let's get this kid to the White House. Something. Joe, you're not going to live forever. You're not going to, you got way more days behind you than you'll ever have in front of you, even if you're cryogenically frozen. And besides, you won't remember them anyway. You have a chance to be a decent human being and you're passing on it daily. In fact, every time you've been presented with the chance to be a decent human being, you've passed on it. You've become rich whilst committing so-called public service why would we expect you to care about somebody who is your granddaughter simply because they're your granddaughter you can't use them as a political prop without simultaneously admitting that you are a bad father who raised a degenerate child so you punish the four-year-old girl i give you my word as a biden you are a horrible horrible human being Speaking of horrible human beings, we'll wrap it up with this. I love this. Yesterday, I told you the story about how the reporter from the Los Angeles Times had submitted the question to uh, Joe Biden so that uh, the White House knew exactly what the question was going to be. And yes, the wording was slightly different. The topic was the same and the gist was the same. 
the actual question versus the written out question on Joe Biden's cheat sheet. The only difference was Joe, the actual question was more verbose. She used bigger words. She threw more words in there than were necessary. Why? Because she's on camera. She gets a chance to shine. She might get a cable news contract out of this. So you've got to go out there and sound like you belong on Morning Joe kissing the president's ass. Well, now we've got explanation. The Los Angeles Times says we did not ever, no way did our reporter ever give the question to the White House. It's just the White House is exceedingly good at guessing not only the topic, but the particular wording and the angle of a question. It's just one of those. It's the damnedest thing. Everybody who works in the White House communication shop is a multiple lottery winner, by the way, because they can also predict lottery numbers. They can predict softball left-wing questions from reporters, and they can predict lottery numbers. What are you going to do? Well, so yesterday, Karine Jean-Pierre, she's so, God, she's historic. I told you lately how historic she is. She tried to explain it away, too. She desperately scrambled to try to protect the very good dog at the Los Angeles Times and their reputation, because, you know, the White House doesn't want to be caught colluding with reporters. They want to be known for colluding with reporters, even though everybody knows they're colluding with reporters. So, you know, no, we weren't colluding with reporters. We just talked. We gave ABC News a question because Mary Bruce is their new White House correspondent, and they haven't had a question in a while. And then we gave this reporter at the LA Times a question because they haven't had a question in a while. And there's a lot of Koreans. In, who live in California. I swear to God, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. But she's reading it. She's reading her answer, and she is completely illiterate. She is omitting words. She is dropping words. She is um, not announcing or pronouncing complete sentences. And It's just, you sit there and you go, this, this woman is incredibly stupid. This woman is incredibly stupid. At one point at the end, she says, quote, we wanted to communicate with the Korean American. Not with Korean Americans or the Korean American community. We wanted to communicate with the Korean Americans. She goes on about how there's so many Koreans, South Koreans, all kinds of Koreans. What kind of Koreans do you want out in California? And that's why, since the South Korean president was at the White House, that's why they picked this reporter. It had nothing to do with the planted question, the softball question, or pre-knowledge, or whatever. They just wanted to communicate with the Korean American. Which, anyone in particular? Or is there, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the demography of California, but I would think there would be more than one. Anyway, that is just one of the stupid things she says in trying to read what, you know, this isn't that hard. The information she's quote unquote conveying here isn't that grand. It isn't that tough. So she could have, I don't know, theoretically be able to think on her feet and talk like a normal human being. But short of that, wouldn't you think she'd be able to memorize this? It's less than a minute long. It's not hard. The gist of it is pretty basic, but she can't. She tries to read it and fails miserably. But damn, is she historic while she does it. 
Uh, Mary's not here, but I can say one of the reasons that we uh, we picked Mary is because she was just named a, a chief White House correspondent for ABC and had not gotten a, a question in some time, and we picked the Los Angeles Times, uh, which has gotten a, which has not gotten a question in some time, and I want to add uh, that the fact that California has the largest South Cor uh, Korean American population in any state in the country, and uh, and LA has the biggest population of any city in America, and LAT is the biggest daily paper serving that population. So we are mindful on who we pick and who we want to communicate out to, and so that's how we move forward uh, with Mary and Courtney. Uh, uh, we thought that is pretty reasonable, wanting to, as we have the South Korean president uh, uh, with us during this press conference, uh, because we wanted to also communicate with the Korean-American. Korean so that's usually how we move this process forward. I think I want to talk to that one Korean guy out there and has the largest population of Korean-American any state in the country. Are you missing words? Did, is your printer at the White House running out of ink, you freaking moron? Honest to God, how do you do this? Okay, you're reading. Maybe the words aren't... As they're coming out of your mouth, shouldn't you recognize, hey, wait a second, I'm sounding pretty damn stupid because I'm, I'm missing words from this. This pretty basic sentence on a topic I knew was coming because obviously it was written down for her. It was a big news story when you collude with a reporter to plant questions. That's a big deal. You whine about, oh, free press is so important. Well, a, you're not a free press. You're a sycophantic press. So maybe, just maybe, you'd be prepared for this. No, we didn't do that. We picked her because of this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't sound particularly convincing if you have to read it and you haven't even bothered to familiarize yourself with the text provided to you by your bosses because you're so damned incompetent that you cannot forget thinking on your feet. You can't think on your ass. You probably think with your ass. You have to be a special kind of stupid to be this dumb, to not be able to have memorized that or just the gist of it. Give me here. I'll, I'll just do it. I've listened to that twice now. Just imagine that I've read it twice. Since I never read it once, but only read it twice or only heard it twice. Say, well, we called on uh, ABC News because they haven't had a question in a while, and they had a new White House correspondent, so we thought that would be a nice way to welcome them. And we called on the LA Times because it was a South Korean president. There's a lot of Korean Americans in California, particularly in the Los Angeles area, and so we thought that we would let them have a question as well. It's, they haven't had a question in a while. It's really that simple. We want to communicate with the Korean community, every community in America, and this is just one of the ways in which we do that. When there's limited time, that's how we pick people when there's very limited time for questions. It'd be very simple. Now, a basic follow-up question that nobody will ever ask in that room is, yeah, isn't it weird that Los Angeles Times, the second largest city in the country, their newspaper, and ABC News, more Americans get their news from ABC News than from any other source, that it's a major league television outlet, number one in actually their nightly newscast, that they haven't had a question to the president in a while too. Is there anybody who's had a question to the president in a while? Is there a reason why nobody's really had a question to the president in a while? Shouldn't we all have questions to the president in a while? If Fox is sitting over there, never had a question to the president. But, hey, wouldn't that be a weird thing to point out? Like, hey, so you're, you're saying ABC News was picked because they haven't had a question in a while. Who has had a question for a while? Well, 
it's NBC, MSNBC, the suck-ups over there. They get time to sit down and talk with them. And Dylan Mulvaney gets time to sit down with the president of the United States. And all of these left-wing, the comedy channel, they get time. But anybody even remotely practicing unserious journalism doesn't get any questions. That should be the problem. Aside from the ridiculousness of planting questions, what have you, the fact that nobody gets any questions because this guy lives in a protected bubble because his his senility is the problem. Of course, they're never going to point that out. They can't do that. That'd be too much like work. Nobody's going to do that. Anyway, that is it for today. We're just over an hour. So, you know, you start off your weekend, right? Hopefully it's dry where you are and nice. Uh, Hopefully it's not too wet here. The Week in F and Review will be up at 12.01 tonight at uh, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Warning for anybody new to it. A lot of dirty language in there. If that's not your cup of meat, just you've been warned. I I appreciate the hell out of the support for the show, and I get that that's not for everybody, and you just want to support the show. A lot of people subscribe and don't listen because they don't want to hear a bunch of swearing. Other people love it and swear by it. Well, they love it. (laughs) Anyway, you get to enter the contests either way. Have yourself a a great one. I'm going to try and go downstairs and take some pictures of the kittens and get those posted for uh, today as well. At least one of each. So check that out. I appreciate everything. I got to go. Have a great one. I'll see you tonight or Monday. 